Hello, Bears fans, and welcome to another edition of Bears on Tap. It's the Juice and Loose show here today on the interwebs talking about the Bears. I am Loose. He is Juice. Uh, and we welcome all of you guys to our show following the Week 15 loss to the Cleveland Browns. Before we get into all things football, Juice, my friend, how are you, sir? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, celebrating yet another Bears loss, as normal. <laughs> Seems to be the case over the course of the last couple of years. But um, I don't know, man. Uh, things are good. Had the wedding on Saturday for my sister. And then I hungoverly watched this football game, which I felt like made things even worse over the course of the fourth quarter. Um, just hurts, right? You get all bought in the, the fact that maybe they can run the table and make the playoffs, but they are not going to make the playoffs and they're not going to run the table. And we're in maybe one of the most awkward spots in franchise history right now. Incredibly well put. And that, that kind of leans into today's episode title, the bears browning out on the playoff picture. Um, because yeah, it, I think this, unfortunately, this, this opportunity, this sense of hope uh, is going to brown out in the minds of a lot of bears fans because it is a very interesting time and, and perhaps one of the most awkward and uh, dare I say even controversial times maybe in the in the history of the franchise in terms of the direction moving forward. And we're going to get into all of that here. Uh, one quick programming note for those that like to watch along with us live, uh, whether you like watching along with us on YouTube or on Facebook or on X, we can now see your comments on X. StreamYard has finally, finally, finally Brought that feature back. So if you are one of our ex-watchers, and as we always say, we've always appreciated you guys, but now we can actually see you as a part of our conversation. If you want your comments to show up right below us during the broadcast uh, at any point, be sure to join the conversation. You can do so now on X, and we will see your commentary. Um, but as always, we still appreciate it and uh, certainly hope you would venture over to Facebook and YouTube, like, subscribe, hit the bell button. Uh, a, you know when all of our shows go live, but B, uh, we also have a ton of other great clips and content over there as well. Juice, let's get down to business here, right? Because you put it perfectly. A heart, this really was kind of a heartbreaking loss at the core of it. This Bears team ultimately played really well. I think the defense stepped up beautifully in this one. They continue to be a dominant force uh, despite the Bears not necessarily winning football games throughout this recent stretch. But another beautiful performance, three interceptions off of Joe Flacco. The Bears won the turnover battle, uh, even though that Fields interception at halftime was bullshit because it wasn't an interception. But that's neither here nor there. And yet it's garbage and crap at the end of the game, not being able to get it done, conservative play calling down the stretch. You can point to a bunch of different things. I don't think there's one single element of this Bears team or Bears franchise that you can point to for the loss of this game juice. But, I mean, you said it best, right? It it, it probably was worse watching it hungover, but it, I can promise you right now, even watching it in a normal state of mind didn't make it any better. No, and I think it's different levels of frustration, right? Because in the big picture, you watch Justin Fields and you're like, man, there's so much talent. You watch him scramble around and make that throw to Komet. And you're like, cool, man. Like, look, there's not many guys who can do that. By that time, break those tackles in, inside the pocket. Move left and throw an accurate just dime ball to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. Mind you, everything before that was the biggest bear clusterfuck of all time because sure. there were like 15 plays from the two yard line, but it's, 
you look at that and then big picture, you're like, man, like I, you watch Justin, you're like, cool. And then there's, you know, obviously the faltering down the stretch. He, he fails to, you know, close another one. And then there's this whole Getsy Eberflus, you know, do you move on from the coaching staff? Mm-hmm. And in the middle of it, like there's this third and 15 play that I think just is a way to paint this Eberflus era perfectly. It's you have the system that is, you know, Tampa two, you sit in, in it and you, and you watch everything in front of it. And in the moment of third and 15, you have Jones and coverage. Like I, I understand being aggressive and maybe in some ways it's, you know, four down territory from where they were, but you, in the moment you got to lean on what you do well. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what his philosophy is. The hits principle, you come up, you make the plays, you make the tackles. And they just gave Flacco the opportunity to escape the pocket, climb it and find a guy. And from there, the game was over. You know, it's mm-hmm. there's not enough time on there. And obviously you, you pray Justin can bring you back, but it's just the game at that point was just not possible to win. And that's, it's sad because there's so many missed opportunities and I sit in this whole thing, Ron, and I don't know about you. I want to hear your opinion on it. I don't know who to blame. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Justin, I don't know if it's Getsy. I don't know if it's, you know, this cast of characters like Darnell Mooney and, and Tunyon with drops. I don't, I can't evaluate the quarterback because there's so many other things on this side of it around the, the, ecosystem of this quarterback development that you sit and you're like this isn't working like and, and these guys don't make the plays when they need to the the offensive line had a horrible day it's it's weird to sit in this moment and be like i almost wish they fired getsy before this year so i could at least figure out if the problem is fields or getsy you know that's that's what i yeah. is the problem with evaluating all this and trying to figure out if you're going to take a quarterback, because there's going to be people who sit and say, Justin has the abilities to take that next jump in a system. But also too, like if you put Justin in another system next year and he fails and you had the number one pick two years in a row and you didn't take a swipe at a quarterback, what, what was all the losing for? And the worst mm-hmm. is, is that you sit in the middle, much like the bulls did for God knows how long. And you're the eighth or ninth seed and you're not getting a difference maker at that position at that point. So I don't know, man, it's, I want to hear your opinion on, on what is more of the problem because I think it's very difficult to sit and identify what is the real issue with this whole thing. Yeah. And I think you lay it out perfectly juice because you have to take a look at just this game in a nutshell. Right. And you look at why the bears lost because there's, 10 decisions, I think, throughout the game that you could sit there and go, okay, who's that on, right? I think of not going for the field goal before halftime. That's a big one in my eyes. You're in field goal range. I get it. The wind's playing to your disadvantage. But if that's the case, why throw the ball on third down and not just run it up the middle 
and and then call you you know either call your timeout or get up there and spike it really quick. You had opportunities there. You can run a draw up the middle and gain six or seven yards. And then at least you give your kicker a chance because guess what? At the end of the day, the same thing happens regardless if he hits the field goal or not. It you still go into the half and it's fucking over, right? You, you don't have to worry about anything then. You look at other plays, right? You mentioned Jones dropping in coverage on the third and fifteen, a three tech nose or you know three tech defensive tackle, not a linebacker, not even a defensive end, right? You could make the argument if that's Yannick Ngakwe or if that's a, a Dominique Robinson who's a, a an athletic player. Okay, Justin Jones, why why is he even in coverage to begin with? There to me, any defensive tackle going in coverage is the biggest bullshit thing you'll ever see in football. I don't understand what people think is going to make of it. A play, right? Like play loose, play back, act like you're in coverage, and then go attack the football. Regardless, then you look at the the fourth down play that they miss. Right, Mooney comes down on that block, and you can make the argument. You know, sure, Fields is trying to get around that guy, but why not just throw a little flick pass? DJ Moore's coming wide open for six points. And so on that play alone, who do you blame? Do you blame Darnell Mooney for not making the block? Do you blame Justin Fields for not seeing the throw downfield and trying to do it himself? Right? Do you blame Luke Getze for a play call there that I don't think was an entirely an awful play call, but is that the right play call? This game juice felt more like those first nine games of the season before that recent run. It really did because we we saw the late conservative kind of garbage play calling again from Getsy in a lot of situations. We saw fields probably miss on more plays than he should have. And I, I say that more so right with that DJ Moore play, just, just small ones that you go. Hmm. But then, like you said, you look at the cast of characters, right? What if Mooney makes that block? What if Robert Tunyon doesn't drop that fucking beautiful deep ball? Hits him right in the hands. I'm, I'm getting shades of Equinamia St. Brown for, against the Miami Dolphins a season ago. Right? Like, so it, it is such a difficult situation, I think, for everybody involved to even judge anybody right now and make a, a, an honest an honest effort to evaluate your offensive coordinator, your head coach, your potentially franchise quarterback, and even the players around him, who a very large majority of them are in contract seasons. Darnell Moody's a free agent after this season. Robert Tunyon only signed a one-year deal. He's probably walking after this year as well. There are so many variables that came up throughout this game that I almost think it, it puts... It almost puts, I think, the Bears in a rough situation because... Notorious TBG here in the comments says, put respect on Jake Browning. He's got the Bengals on a three-game win streak, and that they can, you know, that's something only the Bears can dream about. Yeah, because you have Jake Browning who's operating effectively because they're in a good, well-coached team under Zach Taylor with weapons around him like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and, and so on, and Joe Mixon in the backfield. There's a cast of characters there to support the quarterback, regardless if it's Joe Burrow or Jake Browning. And Jake Browning's done great. A lot of these backups this year, I think, have done great across all of football. But at what point do I think the Bears sit here and just go, do we really have a, an honest evaluation on anybody right now? Because after this game, like, 
I can't point my finger directly at anybody being more at fault than another because it kind of was just one of those clusterfuck games, Juice. Yeah, I mean, if you're if we're gonna sit and do the exercise where we gotta divvy out more blame, I'm gonna give more blame to the head coach probably than any of them. The the not kicking the field goal, the coverage on the third and fifteen, the <laughs> some of the stuff that we bring up too. It's like constant stuff over and over and over again. It's the same right. stuff weekly. Right. And I'm not going to sit and like say that he doesn't have the defense playing very well. But we've talked about it on this show too. They haven't had to play the world beaters of the NFL at the quarterback position in this run either. True. And that's why I need I, – I think they're coming together, and I like to see – the talent that they've put on that unit. And I think they're going to add to that. But I sit here today and I'm like, man, like you, I feel like we went into that game thinking that we didn't need as much as we are going to need leaving that game. Like you talk about, you know, the line and, and the bad day that they had. And then you talk about your number two wide receiver. That's potentially, you know, looking for a contract that you really going into the season, you wanted to pay. You want to go in and, and lock up a guy like that and say, I don't have to worry about the wide receiver position. But yeah. now it's like, man, like the only one that you really truly believe that you have something in is DJ Moore. It, yeah. Everything else is a question mark. And like you said, Tunyon probably leaving. So you're probably going to need a tight end as a second tight end because what you can't just keep rolling Mercedes Lewis out there until he's 110. That's just not how this <laughs> thing's going to work. But you leave that you leave that game yesterday after all the awesome pregame that was built in it right mm -hmm. the the win streak the going for three in a row the winning two divisional games and you're like man like the bears are putting something together something's coming and it's the first time i've felt like that in a while where it was yep. two wins back to back that felt like real wins you went in yep. there and, and and you won football games against playoff contender teams and you had the third right on a silver platter for you and you find a way to lose it and that's what this team has done over the course of this year there's been there's been games that have been in the bag and they've escaped the hands of the bears and that's coaching it's always coaching and sure. i love what i see out of Eberflus. i love the defense for the most part but i feel like and I don't want to keep hammering it, but that third and 15, I feel like is the Matt Eberflus era in a nutshell. It, there, it's frustration. It's a lack of commitment to what he truly believes in. Mm -hmm. And it's just not the identity of, of what this team is. And I feel like when you finally have gotten an identity, you abandon it in the middle of, the most important moment of the game, it's it's baffling to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> you preach he's preached preached hits for two years now, right? That's hits principle. Third and fifteen, you, you get the coach job every day for that. Yeah, so I don't know, man. It, it is. It's it really is tough, and and I, I think too more than anything because. I think there's a large majority of people that feel regardless of Eberflus keeping his job or not gets, he's probably not back next year. 
There's, you know, some of the undertones and things that Eberflus has said throughout the season regarding play calling and things like that. I, I Again, the Bears don't fire people mid-season, so are we really surprised that Gessie hasn't gotten canned yet? No. But doubtful that he comes back, realistically. I, I think that's one thing we can say here. Eberflus, kind of a toss-up. I really do think these next three games matter for Eberflus. You know, because if they go eight and nine and they play really well and you you have some weird mathematical at least chance at the playoffs, that at least at least has to go on the, the list of all right, we gotta add this to our consideration for effectively Black Monday. Cause if you're the Bears, you would want to make a move immediately so you can start lining up interviews sure almost almost as quickly, right? Immediately. But I think the biggest thing that this Get somebody was angry as hell outside of you. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know what's going on out here, but I don't know. Maybe it's maybe there, that Eberflus is coming for me. Maybe <laughs> all the all the nays speak about Eberflus, but nonetheless, I, I think the biggest thing that this game continues to spark, especially in the waves of social media juice, and 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 the comment here from uh, Notorious TBG is is going to help kind of prime this as well. Is it's this Fields versus Caleb Williams debate? that has been what feels like ongoing now for weeks, right? You, you've got one half of Bears, you know, Twitter, X, social media, whatever you want to call it, that is all aboard the take a new quarterback and start fresh train. But then you have this other side that says, well, you, maybe you do give Fields a chance. If they really do believe in him, is he really better than any of these quarterbacks coming out of this draft? And then the question being, if you get the number one overall pick again, because of the value that's tied to a Drake May and a Caleb Williams, do you flip that pick for maybe a bigger King's ransom than what you got from the Panthers initially for them to move up a season ago? Because I've seen people throwing around three first round picks plus maybe. I mean, that's you could take a quarterback in the second or third round of this year's draft, let him sit. And if you don't think he's going to be the guy in a year or two, because you have a bajillion first round picks, then maybe you can reinvest in a quarterback if they're willing to hang on to fields. And so that's something that I'm interested to see because juices and comments is here from notorious TBG. He says he is the, of the opinion that the bears have to keep fields. He says, giving up on a 25 year old, with the most talent that any Bears fan has seen a quarterback for a third round pick. That's asking for fields to be a franchise QB somewhere else. And there are a lot of teams that have reportedly been sniffing around the hen house regarding Justin Fields, right? We've, we've seen the whispers, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, a potential destination, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially in, in their turmoil. It seems like Kenny Pickett might not be the guy. Uh, I have a buddy of mine, big Steelers fan. He is begging. He keeps telling me that the bears should send the Steelers, Justin Fields, and I tell him to go take a hike and shove it where the sun doesn't shine. It it really is a, a tough spot, Juice, and it, it, this kind of ties back into your opening monologue. We are at one of the craziest kind of crossroads in, in Bears franchise history of how this thing is going to operate moving forward in 2024. Because you're in a prime position right now to possibly have the number one pick again, at worst probably the number two pick, and then, you know, you're going to have to turn around and, and either trade it or use it to change your franchise. Juice, what what do you do in this situation? And and where are you leaning on this spectrum of, of Justin Fields versus the field? Yeah, I think that there's 
and obviously this isn't apples to orange. This is apples to oranges, right? Because oh, if you if you talk about the route that I want to see them go is to stack talent around Justin. I think that there's a route that the San Francisco 49ers have kind of showed you where it's have a bunch of skilled guys and then find a way to, to have that genius offensive coordinator that can scheme those guys open and make things much easier on the quarterback. And Brock Purdy's good. Don't get me wrong. That's, Mm -hmm. but there are, there's a reason that every NFL team is that passed on him there. There's limits to his game, but having an OC that is a genius, like a Kyle Shanahan and a great running back and great playmakers on the outside is a route. That's, that's a hundred percent a route to get there. And maybe the bears, like you said, maybe they draft some competition, or maybe you go out and bring in some competition via free agency. We're going to have tons of time to talk about this. But I think this whole thing just whittles down to the fact of, like, what does Ryan Poles think of Drake May and Caleb Williams? If he mm-hmm. thinks that they are the next Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, or one of those guys is the next franchise quarterback, you got to take him. That's, and I love Justin Fields, and I wish him nothing but success elsewhere. But if he's watched the tape and he can identify the fact that, you know, these are the next Patrick Mahomes. And this is the thing that always has stuck in my ear. It's he's from Kansas City. He was in the draft room when they drafted Pat Mahomes. So he knows what to look for. Is Justin that thing to look for? Is it Mm -hmm. Caleb Williams? Is it Drake May? Also, Who's the head coach? I think there are going to be so many dominoes that fall prior to this draft that we're going to sit and we're going to have a good idea of what they want to do, even before yeah. it. If they fire Eberflus and fire Luke Getze, I just don't think that bodes well for Justin. I don't, because that's another offensive coordinator. That's another system for her to, him to learn. It's another group of guys in the locker room. And I know the locker room is sitting, you know, at his his aid and they've done nothing but back him up and that goes a long way and ryan poles has said that but i just i am so thankful that we have three more games to evaluate because i do think if justin plays well it'll go a long way i know that the teams aren't as you know talented down the stretches you know the ones that he had played the last couple but it's still it's time to evaluate and two, there's going to be an NFL combine. There's going to be interviews. There's just so much that goes into this outside of just what we see on Saturdays and Sundays. And that's yeah. why I don't want to say one way or the other, because I just feel like making a decision now on which way you lean without full information just isn't fair to anybody. It's not fair to Justin. It's not fair to Caleb. It's not fair to, you know, Drake May. There's just a lot of things to sort out. And like I said, I think that on the end of the season, you know, the Black Monday is, as everybody calls it, if Eberflus's name is called fired, I do not think it bodes well for Justin. I just don't. I, I do not see somebody coming in and being saddled with a quarterback. I think that somebody who comes in from an offensive mind is going to say, 
I'm coming here because you have the number one pick. And I think I can make something of these two, one of these two guys on a rookie contract with the talent that we have on that defense with DJ Moore and that cap space. And then you're supplementing to build around a young rookie quarterback. And maybe even then that person comes in and goes, Hey, listen, like my philosophy is for this new quarterback to sit for a year. And Mm -hmm. maybe there is a bridge guy, but that defense can keep us in games and there's enough playmakers around them to be almost that Alex Smith like thing that they had going on before, you know, Pat Mahomes took over. It's an interesting web that they've weaved over the course. And then you're not even mentioning the fact that the stadium thing's going on. So I would love to sit here and say that I would go this way or go that way, but there's just more information to be had. Mm -hmm. And right now in the moment though, give me Justin. I want Justin. I want to build around it because I still think that if you trade down from that pick, you'll have enough draft capital in a year to go out and pick up another quarterback or find another guy via free agency. And that's the other thing too, guys like Aaron Rodgers and, 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 you know, Peyton Manning did it with the Broncos when teams are ready to go, quarterbacks will come. You may not be the forever, you know, choice, or the guy that you always think that is going to be there for 10 years, but Mm -hmm. you can find guys to help you win you Super Bowls over a course of two to three years when you have the team built. And that's what the bears just haven't ever done. Hey, an honest and interesting thing here. And I want to get to a comment quickly because I want to call something out again. Once again, maybe you joined us late, uh, but as Peter Porker is commenting here from X, we can see your X comments. Now, if you're watching along with us on X or formerly Twitter, uh, you can join the conversation now, just as Peter has done here. Yeah, um, what a terrible name. Peter Porker. Terrible. I enjoy it. I think it's funny. <laughs> I'm a big fan. But nonetheless, he asks, he says, why not fire Flus and Getsy now and buy yourself more months in the head coaching hunt? And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Unfortunately, that's just not how the Bears do business. Um, everybody has that one really stubborn uncle or like stubborn family member that sometimes really pisses you off. That's Bears ownership when it comes to not firing people midseason because they just refuse to do it. But Juice, our friend Quentin, who has joined us in the comments today, a little under the weather. We hope you're doing well, sir. We miss you. says sweet hat there, Juice. But yeah, yeah, Q and I have yeah. talked about it at nauseum over the last couple shows. Look at a guy like Ben Johnson. Let's say he's to come in here, right? And maybe maybe they they look at it and they say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, we're to me, you have to be in love. Truly, like, flat out. It is boomer bust with Williams or May to keep that pick. I just think from a franchise health standpoint, because this is such a, a hyped up quarterback class because of those two at the top right now, that some team is going to pay you an arm and a leg and maybe even their freaking other big toe on the other foot <laughs> just to get a chance at one of these two guys. And let's say that pick somehow magically becomes number two. I think you could still get a good haul for it. You know, it's probably going to remain number one, but you never know, right? There's still three weeks left in the NFL season. A lot of shit can still happen. Nonetheless, I am in that corner with you, Juice. I support the idea of of a Fields staying at least for another year. I support that idea wholeheartedly because what happens, let's say, maybe Fields doesn't work out and Ben Johnson is the head coach. And they say, okay, well, we have two draft, two first rounders next year and two second rounders because you'll have the Panthers 2025 second and we can go out and get a quarterback or 
like you said, Juice, and a crazy thing that I don't think anybody's considered, but what if the new head coach came in said, hey, I kind of want a veteran quarterback, but I don't necessarily want Justin Fields. Trade him. Trade him, make everybody think you're keeping the first round, first overall pick, and then have somebody overpay for it and move out of it. Kirk Cousins is a free agent, Juice. What about Kirk Cousins potentially coming in as a veteran for a year or two as a free agent? Who knows, right? Especially with an offensive-minded head coach. Because if you acquire all those assets, like you said, to build a round-the-quarterback position, it's only going to benefit them. I think we've entered, unfortunately, Juice, a level of in history now where quarterbacks aren't the same necessarily cerebral construct that they used to be. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying quarterback now is becoming a position that is more dynamic. They are at times the best athletes on the field, as we see now with Justin Fields. But you look at every other team in the NFL, right? Even with Tom Brady, Tom Brady had an incredible defense around him. He had a great offensive line and they had a good head coach at the top. It is still a team game. Yes, you have to get the quarterback correct. But you said it best, Juice. San Francisco is building you a blueprint of how to win the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles are building you a blueprint of how to win the NFL. The Detroit Lions, where Ben Johnson could potentially come from, are building you that blueprint of how to win the NFL. You put weapons around a still competent quarterback, and you make his life as easy as possible at the hardest position in sports. Yeah, who's to say you don't add a Saquon Barkley back there with Justin Fields and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside? And you go out and you strengthen that interior. And you make life a lot easier on Justin. That's the one thing about, like, I love Darnell Mooney. Don't get me wrong. He he works hard. He's not deserving any of the shit he's getting on on the Twittersverse and and all of that. But he's a little guy. And – He's he looks he plays little, you know. That's 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 what you look at what's going on in, in the league now, too. You look at Jalen Hurts, like look what they did. They they added two big guys on the outside for Jalen, and he's able to run. And he he has you know Swift in, in a bevy of running backs and a great offensive line. And I, I think Jalen Hurts is good. I do, I, he's a good quarterback. Yeah. But look how easy everything has been made for him. And that's the problem with this whole thing with Justin. The ecosystem that was built when he got here was not healthy enough for him to take over and win games immediately or even take jumps in his development. And that's what sucks about this thing because – you can go back and forth on what should you figure out first, the quarterback position or the offensive line or the guys around them or, or whatever. But what the came end, first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like you sit and you watch like Bryce Young out there, no offensive line, no help. And he looks horrible. Does he look horrible because he's bad or does he look horrible because he's got nothing around him? And that's, what's so bad about this. Like we can't sit here and say, that the conditions for Justin Fields have been ideal every year he's been here. Yeah, sure. He's got more talent this year, but how talented is, is Darnell Mooney? How talented is the second tight end? Like, you know, Robert Tunyon and, and 
Mercedes Lewis. And that interior offensive line, it showed over the course of Sunday, not good. It, 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 they didn't play well. And, and obviously, we've seen good things from them. I'm not throwing them underneath the bus, but there are parts on that offensive line where you say, you go, all right, I think it can get better at certain positions. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did in San Francisco, right? There's They've added in that depth, and right. they've drafted that way to – to have guys to fill in and and they can do different things within their offense because they protect well. And I don't know. I just, I sit here and I, I look at DJ Moore and I'm like, he's great. He's, he's one of those a plus guys that you need to have. But if nobody, if he's dancing on the left, there's gotta be somebody dancing on the right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just, you can't have a one man show and expect every week to be bailed out by him. You just right. can't. And I I just – Justin seems to have that locker room. He seems to have a lot going for him within, you know, how hard he works. And, and yes, he has not played to the caliber that probably should have any of us warranted him for another year. There, there are things to work on. He is not a perfect quarterback by any means, not even sure. close. But he just has – the skills and these different, you know, attributes that make him, in my opinion, almost better than the guys that are going to be coming out. And you, you just need to look at it and say, do I like Justin Fields better than I like Williams or May? And if that's the case, then you got to figure it out. You got to find a way around it and, and surround him with some help and maybe get him in a system that works for him. And I think that's been a lot of the problem with this. 100%. Again, it's it's finding an ideal situation to be able to truly evaluate a player. And, and unfortunately, as you mentioned, Juice, lately, it's been kind of tough. Um, yeah, and you brought up right with Mooney, right? Kind of becoming a public enemy number one this week for no reason. I, yeah, sure. Plays that could have swung the game one way or another. They didn't work out. It happens. It, that's that's football. That's sports, right? We, we see it constantly and all the time. Juice, I have one departing thought here. Um, before we go ahead and look ahead to this Arizona game coming up this week on Christmas Eve. And it's a comment from our friend Peter again. He says, buy or sell Belichick as head coach, McDaniels OC reunion, uh, retaining fields and drafting Marvin Harrison, number one overall, not even trading out of that pick. Yeah, the end one, you got to, you can't take Marvin Harrison number one. You got to figure out a way, because whoever trades up to that pick is picking a quarterback. Right. That's just 100%. Um uh, I mean, Belichick to me too, like I, that's another situation where it's like who ran the offense and who, who was winning all those Patriot championships? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I love Bill Belichick, but at the end of the day, like Tom Brady then went to Tampa Bay and won one there, you right. know? And, and I just, I feel like the head coaching position in general too, as we've sat and talked about this, is getting younger. It's getting more innovative. Yes. Bill Belichick just seems like the guy who's stuck in old NFL, mm-hmm. you know. And that's it's the same in a lot of ways with McDaniel's. Like, I I also don't like a whole McDaniel's idea. It seems like he's kind of a kind of a mess and and, and doesn't bring in the I don't know the organizational trust or, or anything for anywhere he goes. So yeah. I don't know. That's 
I, I do like the idea of retaining Fields and then having Marvin Harrison Jr., but I do I, – I sit and I want one of these big offensive minds. I want, you know, like a Ben Johnson or a Bobby Slowick or, a, you know, these names that essentially we look back at and we're like, all right, like you're now set. This is – you're Kyle Shanahan. Every year mm-hmm. you're going to be able to advance this system. You know, and that's the problem that the Bears have always had. They bring in an offensive coordinator. It doesn't work for two years. They fire him on to the next. Get the right guy in to where you can build year to year and add wrinkles into plays. It seems like, you know, we get to level one of what these guys can do with their offenses, and there's no graduation because by the time we get to the graduation part, they're fired. And that's the the biggest problem with this. Marry them all on one schedule, too. Put them all underneath the same between, you know, polls, head coach, quarterback. Put them all on the same thing. That's yep. just my my two cents. Yeah, I uh, I am on the sell side of this question as well. I don't want anything to do with Belichick McDaniels. I think you got to trade number one if, overall if you get it. There's three really good receivers at the top of this draft. Yes, Harrison Jr. is by far the best of them, but um, Odunze and and uh, the cat from LSU are also both really, really good. And again, wouldn't be against Rashane Fields, but I think it's all going to become situational. Q, it's been a, it's been a spicy week. Q. Oh. I got Q on the brain. <laughs> I saw this comment again. He says sweet hat. I was staring at the letter Q. Trust me, I don't know as much football name. as Q. I'll, I'll standards. Add Butkus stats on the old socials for those that aren't following him already. Be sure to follow him. Be sure to follow us too. At Loose on Tap. At Juice on Tap. Juice! It was a spicy week uh, in Chicago Bears football. Um, but now, right, we got to put it in the past and we got to look ahead. Another opportunity for evaluation comes this Sunday, and it's in the late slot. Boo. I don't like that at all. Personally. How late? It's a 325 game. Ugh. Yeah. It's a 325 game. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals will pay the Chicago Bears a visit at Soldier Field on Christmas Eve. Um, if you're going out to the game, have and fun. they'll pay them. <laughs> It's going to be a nice day, too. Yeah. Hey, but it's going to be a nice day. It's going to be 51 degrees on Sunday. Yeah, it's also Christmas Eve. Yeah, I know, but still. Let me just say this. NFL on Christmas Eve, I don't like it. Yeah, I... As a season ticket holder, I hate it. Well, sure, because it's impossible to sell that game. (laughs) Yeah, and then we get screwed twice this year because it's New Year's Eve, too. New Year's Eve, too, right. So, I hate it. The holidays are rough. The holidays are rough. But nonetheless, the Bears still got to play a football game. It's against the Cardinals. Juice, what do the Bears got to do to get it done? What do you want to see out of the Bears this week uh, to secure a potential victory and and another step forward in what's left of the season? Uh, The Bears are who we thought they were. (laughs) Who they thought they were. No. All right. Let me – I know this isn't right because you want to build a culture, but the Bears should just lose out. At this point, I'm sorry to say it. If you're not going to make the playoffs, and if there's like 0.03% chance, I mean, obviously, 0.03% chance of winning football games in the Bears' sense, just not good. So <laughs> making the playoffs probably even worse. But uh, but if there's not, you might as well just help that pick, right? I mean, mm-hmm. their own pick, they could have two top five picks. That's, oh, yeah. that's the crazy thing about this. That's franchise altering. That's you're getting 
maybe a quarterback wide receiver combo, or you're getting a, you know, wide receiver left tackle combo, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, or or, uh, something on offense, something on defense to, to help you out, to help Montez, who knows, but I, they should just lose out, but if they want to win, they got to, they got to turn the ball over. They got to, they got to get to Kyler Murray, keep him in the pocket and find a way to turn him over. And I think they may, that it's going to be nice, but it's also Arizona Cardinals coming in to play in Chicago in games that they probably really don't want to make the trip for. So yeah, this is super, super winnable. And I think that's what makes, you know, Sunday's game. So more frustrating because you're probably going to win the one on Sunday and you're probably a good chance. You're going to win the one on new year's Eve. So you're looking at how many games would they have won in a row? Would it be five in a row going into playing green Bay for your season? That's what changes culture. That's what keeps the quarterback employed. That's what keeps, you know, momentum gaining towards mm-hmm. winning seasons. They're just not doing that. This that loss yeah. was so crippling to not only the season, but to the future. And it it showed it reared its ugly head. And now the questions are back. And I just going into Sunday, I'm going to sit and watch the game with my friends and family who come over for Christmas Eve and Thank you for all the listeners. Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, whatever you guys celebrate. Have a great holiday season. But I will sit with those guys and I will watch hopefully quarterback development from Justin Fields. I want him to go in and have that signature four touchdown, 350-yard game. How awesome would that be to jump on this mic next week and talk about the fact that he took a step and Mm -hmm. maybe – Maybe this is the building of something these last three weeks. Maybe he goes and he plays, you know, Atlanta and they have such a damn good, um, you know, game against him. And then you go into that end of the season in Green Bay and his job is essentially on the, on the line at that point. And you can go in there and win a game where Justin Fields is the difference maker. I think that that conversation goes a long way. I really do. Yeah. If you can win these next three in a row, I think he saves his job and maybe he saves more jobs around Hallis Hall than than we maybe want them to do. But uh, building wins and building a culture is equally as important as you know helping your draft status. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, 100%. I'm in agreement with you. I think down the stretch here, Juice, it's really all about evaluation. Uh, Being able to evaluate the coaching decisions, be evaluating the play-calling decisions, and ultimately how well Justin Fields plays uh, in these last three games. Agree with you. Very winnable contest this coming uh, Sunday against the Cardinals. Um, Again, the weather should be nice. It might be a little rainy, but uh, mild in terms of temperature. So, uh, probably going to play a little bit of Bears football too, and I would expect this defense to really get after this Cardinals offense, who has not been very good this season. Yeah, so let me buy my game. tickets. There you go. If you want to go to the game, hit up Juice. Finally, Juice, score prediction for me, my friend, before we begin to wind this thing down. Uh, 23-13 Bears. I like it. I like it. As Q always says, um, 
life's too short to to pick the Bears to lose, but in this case, it's really hard to pick them to lose in this game. Uh, I am going to also roll with a, a similar prediction. I'm going to go ahead and say Bears 24, Cardinals 10. I, okay. I think the I think the defense really comes to play. Maybe even a defensive touchdown in this one um, would be really cool. Back to back weeks of a defensive touchdown would be pretty that sweet. Would be cool me. and tough, as we say here at On Tap Sports. Cool and tough indeed, Juice. Before we shut this thing down, buddy, one final uh, kind of random little thing that I learned today that I thought was really interesting. Could you tell me which Chicago Bears player has the most sacks in a Bears uniform since the year two thousand? Hmm. Uh, since 2000, I'll go, I'll go, mm, no, I'll go Adewale Gumi. Mm. Close. It was not Adewale. It was his running mate, Alex Mr. Brown. Alex Brown. Yeah, that's that, that was my other pick. I went... That's why I went. Eh, I was about to go Alex Brown. I went Adewale Gumi. Forty-three and a half sacks. It's pretty crazy. So good. Them two were crazy fun to watch together. They were crazy fun to watch together. Uh, agree wholeheartedly. That was. Those were those were fun Bears defenses in general, and those two certainly added to it. Juice, before we get out of here, buddy, want to remind everybody Bears on Tap is one of two Bears podcasts here at the On Tap Sports Network. Go ahead and check out our friends over at the Bears Nation Pod at Bears Nation Pod on the socials. And you can follow along with them there. Be sure to follow us as well at Bears on Tap on the social media platforms. Again, uh, we encourage you, please like, subscribe, and hit the bell button over on the YouTube. You can see all of our great content over there, including replays of all of our live shows from every sport. Um, but X followers, we can see your comments now too. So please, uh, as our friend Peter did tonight in the conversation, be, feel free to join us now going forward as that is a new Fun fact, feature. I will be sipping beers with Peter Parker on Sunday this week. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Now you you can tell him that we didn't like his or that we're selling on his Belichick idea. Yeah. In person. Not <laughs> nonetheless. Nonetheless, um, be sure to follow along with us at Bears on Tap, at Loose on Tap, at Juice on Tap, at Buska Stats. You know the drill. Be sure to follow the whole crew on the social media. Uh, we got everything. Hawks, Bulls, Bulls on Tap was just live last night. Um and we got both baseball teams in town as well. You'll see Juice and I again tonight. We're doing double duty today over at Cubs on Tap. Uh, but Bears fans, you you like both sides of town. You got friends that like Sox fans. Uh, we also got Sox on Tap boys on the other side of town as well. And as always, on tapsportsnet.com at on tap sportsnet on the socials, the on tap sports network. Go and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Bears lose, unfortunately, the Browns. Uh, we dove into this one and dissected what that means for the rest of the season and the upcoming offseason. But before then, there is one more game this week against Arizona, and we'll be back to talk about it after the holidays. As you said, Juice, to all our listeners, happy holidays. Enjoy the time with the family. Uh, celebrate, celebrate hard, but celebrate uh, not only responsibly, but safely as well. Hashtag crack them uh, with all your friends and family, and uh, let the Untapped Sportsnet crew know that you're hashtag cracking them on over the holidays. Be sure to use hashtag crack them on Twitter. That's crack um with a U-M. I see a lot of M. It's um, crack them. Crack them with I, your friends and family. Crack them with us like over that. on the socials as well. Hmm. Kind of like the um, the crack them. Crack. Mm. Crack. Mm. <laughs> crack mm. Oh, 
I don't know. That's just it, we got to crack them. So <laughs> we're gonna crack them with, with our friends and family this holiday season. I am loose. He is juice. And until next time, Bears on Tap will be back with you after the holidays, after the Cardinals game. Juice, what do you say, buddy? Bear down. Bear down.